Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for the different works that you have done and the good attendance there at Morris Park and community. Lord, we thank you for answering each prayer request, keeping us safe, keeping the rain at bay, allowing the work to be done and done well. And uh, Lord, we just want to thank you for answering prayer, for keeping us in your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's get turned to the book of Philemon. And uh, just want to take uh, tonight to examine this book, little book, one of the shortest books, not the shortest book by any means, but one of the shortest books in the Bible. Just one chapter, a basically a handwritten note, we might say, or a little memo from the Apostle Paul to an individual named Philemon. And uh, it is amazing to me that this part of the Scripture has been reserved, preserved, chosen by God to be put in uh, the Bible uh, because Philemon was being written to by the Apostle Paul on behalf of Onesimus. Now, Onesimus was a servant, a slave of Philemon. Now, we need to take a few things into account. Uh, Philemon did not, uh, nor was he, a part of Jewry. He he was not a Jewish man per se. He was a Gentile. Uh, This whole thing of of chattel slavery was part of the Roman Empire. And uh, we have Paul, the apostle, taking time. We have the God of heaven who put our Bible together to include this little letter of Paul writing to Philemon. And so let's just take a moment here and read through the entire book. It's only 25 verses, one chapter. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the knowledging Acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, 
whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he have wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I will repay all, albeit... I do not say unto thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have the joy of, have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Just a short note. But Paul wrote this note under the direction of the Holy Spirit, included in our scripture, and What I'd like for us to to look at as the overriding thought here is an opportunity, a chance for Onesimus to do right. I mean, sometimes we make decisions in life that uh, are not easy to unmake. I like to say living is like driving in New York City. You can get off anywhere you want, but that doesn't mean you're getting back on the same road again easily or even possibly. Uh, There are certain places you get off the highway, uh, you're just not getting back on again. There are decisions that we make in our life that can cost us dearly. That was Onesimus, was it not? He, he was a slave. He was owned. Someone said, well, he was just seeking his freedom. Well, if that's all he was seeking, then why did he hunt down the Apostle Paul when he heard that he was in Rome? You see, Onesimus was one of those troubled individuals that had made some really bad mistakes. And as he's living there in the city of Rome, and of course, he was uh, illegal, he was uh, without regular income and all of these things. It was a very difficult life. He was living a part of what we call the subculture. He, he was not allowed to publicly identify himself for who he was, because if he had been, chances are he would have been arrested and Probably just put to death. I mean, the Romans just had a great regard for slaves. uh, And I do speak that sarcastically. They didn't care if they found out that you weren't where you were supposed to be, with whom you were supposed to be. Most of the time, the simplest thing, especially if they caught you stealing or involved in any kind of illegal activity at all, poof, you were gone forever. And here we have this Onesimus 
in the city of Rome, and all of a sudden he begins to hear things and investigates, and he finds out that the very Apostle Paul is under house arrest in the city of Rome. And you could imagine Onesimus having to be very careful, sneaking by and looking in to make sure it was Paul. And, and then before the entire thing was done, he was there serving Paul and helping him. And Paul said that Onesimus had gotten saved. You see, Onesimus had made some really bad decisions, hadn't he? And if Onesimus was going to get things straightened out, there was only one place he could go. Back to Philemon. And so Paul wrote him a letter. This letter would serve many purposes. If Philemon, as he was traveling, were to be stopped and examined by the custom guards or by Roman soldiers, oh, he's got a letter of conduct taking him back to his master, Uh, There's a purpose in this travel. This would give him some safety. And especially if the guy took time to read the letter, he's sitting there going, wow, this, uh, this is quite a letter of recommendation for a slave. I mean, normally, slaves didn't get this kind of treatment. And that brings us to another point. A chance to do right and... The value of human life. We, we live in a world where abortion is a way of life. I don't know what the numbers are, but it's got to be closing in on 75 million babies. I mean, you stop and think about that. I mean, that is multiple, multiplied cities of New York that have been decimated. Uh, That far surpasses the total casualties of all of World War II. Somewhere around 60 million people, I, I believe, is the total from all of World War II. Human life is not worth anything. One of the arguments they use is, oh, this baby uh, won't, won't develop right. This baby won't be ever normal. So you, you might, I remember we had a dear lady in Cleveland. Um, she was, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, one of ours and one of hers was due about the same time and the doctors had come to her and and told her that the baby was going to be profoundly retarded, and they, they, their highest recommendation was for her to abort that child. And she said, I told you before you performed any of these tests. That's never going to happen. And they called her back about six weeks later and said, uh, we were just wanting to do a follow-up. Uh, did you uh, have the abortion? And she said, I told you I would never do that. And they said, oh, wonderful. We just wanted you to know that uh, your test results actually got mixed up with someone else's. Now, what would they have said if she had, had gone ahead and did it? Oh, you have a nice day. We're, we're glad you took our advice and hung up the phone. I'll tell you, we live in a wicked world. And 
we have all of this that goes on in our world today, and yet we have a a desire, if you want to know what this whole minimum wage thing is all about, it's about keeping a permanent underclass of citizens. And if you want to know where that goes to, it goes to Plato's writings, Plato's Republic, Greek philosophy, where we build a society and we have to have a certain number of slaves. Let me tell you, the Romans had bought into that. They understood that, uh, at least that's what they, their, their world was built on slavery. Here's one of those slaves. And yet the God of the Bible dedicates a whole book to what the world would judge a worthless life. Not only was he a slave, he was a runaway, he was disobedient, he was not even a good slave at this point. And we have Paul writing Philemon, who apparently was the pastor, or at least his son Archippus was a pastor, And he was talking about to the church that meets in his house. And he's speaking to him on very affectionate terms. Paul said, I'm constantly, in verse 4, that I am constantly praying for you, Philemon. I'm praying for the church in your house. Paul alluded in his other letters, he said, I have the care of the churches upon me. I mean, Paul was not negligent. He didn't just go start a church and turn them loose and never talk to them again. Paul was in constant communication. And we do not have all of Paul's letters. There was at least one other letter to the Corinthians that Paul wrote, and the Holy Spirit did not qualify that as Scripture. You say, oh, I wish we could find it just to see what Paul wrote. No, we don't need to. We got what we need in the Bible. But we do need to understand that Paul was in communication. He cared. He prayed for these people. And and then he goes on and he's saying, listen, you have refreshed the other saints. You have refreshed me. Your Christianity is being real. And now I'm going to give you a chance to really prove it. I almost wonder if Philemon is reading this letter. He's not going, uh-oh, what's coming next? What, what challenge is headed? What is Paul talking about here? Uh, uh, an opportunity for me to prove to, to be a blessing to the Apostle Paul. And in verse 9, you can just hear Paul speaking. He said, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee as... One as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul, Paul was not holding back any of the tools of the trade, we might say. He, he was exerting his influence. He said, you're a pastor, there's a church in your house, your son, your family... I'm praying for you. I've got something that I need to ask of you, but I'm not commanding it as the Apostle Paul. I'm not speaking to you uh, as I did to the Romans and the Corinthians and all of the other one. Paul would actually say, as an Apostle of God, this is something you must do. He says, 
I'm Paul the aged, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got something that is on my heart and you're the only one that can fix it. Now, that's so true here. Onesimus could not earn his freedom unless it came from Philemon. Onesimus could not live without the, the penalty of judgment of Roman government on his life without Philemon stepping in. This was really serious. Onesimus was one of those guys that would, was what we call living in the shadows, living a, a life where no one knew who he was, where he was from. He could not, and yet now we have him traveling the whole way from Rome back to Philemon, and he says, I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. Now you talk about, you know, was Paul being melodramatic here? No. Paul wasn't into fake honor and humility. Paul was really cared about this young man. Apparently he had met him. When he was there in Philemon's house, and now he had been in prison somewhere around two and a half to, I mean, at least two and a half, three and a half years. It would be a total of four years before he would be released, but Paul didn't know that. And he was two years in Caesarea and two years in Rome. So sometime during that Roman time, Onesimus caught Paul's attention. And he came in and he said, Whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now this is really a radical statement that Paul makes. He says, He is my son. Now, you wouldn't refer to... Paul was a citizen... Let me start over again. Paul was a citizen of the Roman Empire. He had the full privileges... In the Roman Empire, not only as a person living under the protection, but as a Roman citizen. You remember all the trouble that Claudius almost got himself in there in the city of Jerusalem for uh, having bound Paul and threatening to uh, examine him by a scourging, which was a typical Roman fashion of getting answers. They just kept beating you until you gave the answers you wanted. I mean, this was... And then when he found out Paul was a citizen, oh man, everything changed, didn't it? And so here we have a citizen and we're talking about something here. We're talking about an opportunity to make right decisions that you can't undo by yourself. And we're talking about the value of human life. You know, It was such a radical statement when the men who founded this country wrote down, we believe that all men are created equal. Now, they may have believed it, but they didn't practice it. And later on, that problem would be solved by the Civil War. But I'll tell you, that problem will never be solved until all men look to Jesus Christ as their Creator. That's when the problem will be solved. 
Some of you remember a few years ago when we had President Obama and everybody said, well, this will be the end of racism. I'll tell you, it's far worse today than it was when he started as our president. The, the tensions are there and, and they're not going anywhere fast. You know why? Because people are not looking. You can say Obama's Muslim, Obama's this, Obama. I'll tell you, Obama is what he wants to be and that's his business. But he did not point anyone to Jesus Christ. And that's the problem. And what we are trying to understand here is Paul is addressing this slave, this non-entity, this piece of property as a human being. That's radical. That is really... And yet, nowhere in this book does Paul say Onesimus should be given his freedom. I mean, you can read it if you want. Read it over again. We read the whole way through the book. Nowhere does Paul beg for Onesimus' freedom or his transition from the position of slave to full citizen of the empire. That that was unheard of. It didn't happen. Only in Ben-Hur and some of the movies that people wrote. Uh, But in real life, that didn't happen. You didn't start out a slave and became a citizen. You started out a slave, you were always a slave. That was the way the Roman Empire worked. But Paul was saying, this is my son. He has been saved. He said, in the time past, he was unprofitable, but now he is profitable to thee. How was Onesimus going to be profitable to Philemon? He was coming back. Onesimus was not coming back to demand his freedom in a position in the household He was coming back to be Philemon's servant, the exact same position he had run away from before. Are we all together here still? I mean, this is what the Bible's teaching. He said, Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels. Paul's saying, I care about this man as much as I care about myself. If you care anything for me, you're going to take care of this problem and you're going to make things right with Onesimus. He said, Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Paul said, There's no way for us to make this problem right without me sending Onesimus back to your house. Now, how would you like to be Onesimus at this point? I mean, this travel was not days, weeks. More than likely, it was months of travel that Onesimus had to do, and he was uh, in some danger. Paul's letter would give him a great deal of protection, but he wasn't safe until he got home, and back in Onesimus' uh, and Philemon's house and dealt with there. And Paul says, he's just thinking, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. He's saying, listen, you lost Onesimus. He ran away. But now that he's saved and serving God, 
He's going to be a good servant for you. And it says, now not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. I love verse 19. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. How many of you have ever done that? Now, I'm not telling you, and then go on and tell them. This is the way people communicate respectfully and yet deal with very delicate matters. Paul says, listen, I'm the guy that led you to the Lord. I led Onesimus to the Lord. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Onesimus. It's really about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And then Paul goes on to say, having confidence in thy obedience... I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou also, thou wilt also do more than I say. Now, Paul was not just trying to manipulate Philemon here. He knew, he knew Philemon, he knew him well, he knew what kind of man Philemon was, a servant of Christ. And he knew that there was some ill will there between Onesimus and Philemon. Uh, and Paul didn't take time to investigate all the dirty laundry, praise God. But he said, if you're going to get this straightened out, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to face your master and you're going to have to get it straightened out. And then Paul writes this glowing letter and said, if you care about me, if you consider me a partner... If you're working with me in the cause of Christ, you need to take care of this thing with Onesimus. Now, the interesting thing is, we never hear from Onesimus again in the pages of history, in our Bible. I mean, I imagine somebody somewhere has made up something, but in authoritative biblical history, this is all we know about Onesimus. And so the only thing that we can be sure of is that he spent the rest of his life serving Philemon at Philemon's direction. Whether he actually got to go back to the Apostle Paul or not, we don't know. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us that answer. And, and Paul actually says, I want you to make a place for me because I'm trusting soon to be set free. Maybe Paul was awaiting his trial and understood that things were going to go his way because... The Pharisees of Jerusalem and the people that accused him were not showing up at Paul's trial. And so everything would be explained to Caesar, and Caesar would say, where are thine accusers? And he'd say, I have none. And, and Caesar would go, case dismissed, and the apostle Paul would be set free, which he was. Later on, he'd be arrested again, only this was not under Augustus, this was under the crazed Nero. And... Paul would then be executed uh, as a uh, citizen. We find Paul writing about that in the book of 2 Timothy. 
And then he goes through a list here. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So, we have Paul approaching Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And and we have every right to believe that this thing worked out for the glory of God. Now, there's just a few things for us to think about. One is, as we make decisions in this life, we have the opportunity, based upon the Word of God and God's goodness, to make right decisions. Amen? But when we've made wrong decisions, Onesimus got his problem worked out. Guess what? There's hope in God that he will solve our issues as well. Can we say amen to that? And that God values each human life. Freeborn, born into bondage, citizen, non-citizen. God values life because he is the source of life. We trace our life back to him. And there's just two things that we need to be careful about here. One is, there's only one way to make things right. Let's go back to where you made them wrong and start. I've had people ask, over, well, what do I do if someone refuses to forgive me? Well, you make sure you've done everything in your power under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to seek their forgiveness And then you have to move on in your service for God. But God gives us opportunities to make things right. He is the God of the second, third, fourth. God will give you as many chances as He is willing to give you life. You say, how do I know when God's done with me? You're dead. It's just that simple. If you have life, you have an opportunity to serve God. You say, but I messed up so many things. Hey, guess what? I don't think we have anybody sitting in this auditorium that's in danger of prison. Uh, I would hope not. Onesimus was. Onesimus would have probably been executed for his crimes. I don't think we've ever had anybody visit our church in, in all these years that was in, under uh, a danger of being executed for the crimes that they've committed. So, take hope, my friend. God straightened out things for Onesimus. He can straighten out things for me. He can straighten out things for you. Because God values every life. Amen? An opportunity to do right. But Onesimus had to make the long journey all the way back. And he had to face Philemon. And God had to take care of the rest. I'll tell you what, that letter of the Apostle Paul, I am sure. As Philemon was reading through this, maybe the old... 
hurts and, and injuries that Onesimus had done begin to well up. And then all of a sudden he says, Paul says, I will repay it. Remember, I'm Paul the aged. I'm Paul the prisoner. I'm Paul the guy that led you to the Lord. But I'll pay it if that's what you demand. And all of a sudden you can just see any reservations on Philemon's part saying, Lord, this is an offering to you. I've, I come to you and I surrender this whole thing. And we have no way of knowing exactly what happened to Onesimus. But the fact that we do not hear from him again in the pages of the Bible is good strong evidence that Onesimus just spent the rest of his life serving God and serving Philemon. Amen? Isn't that a beautiful story? I mean, it's almost without precedent. Every so often we hear stories of people who did this, but most of the time they're made up. This was a real story. This was a real trial. And God cared about one slave's soul. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us a moment to think and contemplate and ask you to work in our hearts. In your name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just give a few minutes.